Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Welcome. Welcome to SASP, our perfect acronym. <laughs> Stories Are Soul Food. Uh, everybody, meet Joe Sutphin. Uh, you've done many, many things, so... There's many things. Google the guy, figure out his full bio. But most recently, this beast. This is a big book. Yeah, and wow, all color too. It's big. It's, it's incredible stuff. Oh, uh, I knew it was a task. When my copy arrived, I was su- very surprised. And I, I, you ah. know, I follow you on Instagram, and I've seen the process, and and even I can't remember how many rabbits you said you had drawn. Through the- how do you know yeah i mean i think <laughs> i just keep thinking like we're at like roughly 370 pages and then um you know anywhere from like six to nine panels a page and uh between one and a dozen rabbits per panel so yeah it's you know tens of thousands of tens rabbits. of thousands of rabbits yeah. do you draw rabbits in your sleep no it, that, you know the funny thing is i i am asked that Nearly every time someone talks to me <laughs> and my answer is I actually never, to my knowledge, I cannot remember ever having art as a part of my dreams and I'm wow. okay leaving it that way. That's, I, that's I was, a, last that's night a, someone asked me. That's a big yes. statement. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Someone asked me that at a, at a book signing last night and I, and I said, I'm afraid that I get asked it so much that I'm answering it so much that it is going to end up in my dreams. So <laughs> I'm just going to start finding a way to like, maybe this is, this. maybe this is the one that tipped the scales and you're going to start dreaming rabbits now and you can blame me forever. Your days yeah. are full of rabbits. We don't need your nights to be full of rabbits. Right. Um, so let's, let's start by talking a little bit, a little bit just about Watership Down itself, the original book. Like when did you meet the book? Uh, well, probably like, like a lot of people in the States did, uh, turning on the TV in the middle of the day in the eighties and finding an, <laughs> a cartoon. And so yeah. because there was a cartoon when there wasn't supposed to be a cartoon on, I watched it and, <laughs> um, it, I, I, I thought it was interesting. So, uh, I think I probably caught it maybe three or four times in p- various pieces, uh, the same way that I would catch the Hobbit on TV, uh, or the secret of Nim and, Right. Um, uh, I, I was, I was allowed to watch a lot of stuff as a kid, uh, that, uh, I think led to me not being squeamish of these sorts of things. So I don't have the same memory that a lot of people popularly say they have about Watership Down. So. And what's that? <clears throat> that is the, the kind of popular meme today of, uh, that film traumatized me, that book traumatized right. me. Oh. Um, Maybe I'm also broken because I have, I just, we have, all just have super fond. Memories I just have happy feelings. Down. I just have like happy uh, memories of Watership Down. Yeah. And people, people say that about the secret of NIM as well. Yeah. And, mm, um, yeah. I have also a, a, a really fun show. It, it, it is probably the most like creatively profound thing I've experienced in my life. Um, like I literally can remember being like six or seven years old and catching like a piece of it. And my dad said, we have to go. I have to go help grandpa put some, you know, uh, lighting in his ceiling. And I had to stop watching it. And I can remember being at my grandparents' table and drawing Nicodemus's hand over and over from the, the wow. opening of that film because That's it was great. just so captivating. But 
And that's um, one where I've the, heard so many people oh, say, sorry. you know, that's traumatized me. That traumatized me. So is that is that art style something you aspire aspire to? I mean, I I've, having read the book and then watched the film, you can you can see the cartoon added a real flavor to the novel, like mm-hmm. that that mystical fantasy aspect that was not yeah. there in the book itself. And and yeah, I think yeah. something that might have improved on the book. I wholeheartedly agree. It's that. Uh... It's one of those few things where I feel like that was better than the book potentially. But um, yeah, that that uh, that led to me. Uh, I don't aspire to a whole lot, I guess, as a, a visual artist, other than to make work that um, I feel good about or feel inspired by making. Um, and usually, that is drawing my influence from the things around me, which is you know the the natural world. Uh, in all of its stages of life and death and rebirth, uh, I love drawing those those stages. I, I love drawing beautiful, living, thriving plants as much as I love drawing completely dilapidated remnants of weeds and um, the way that weeds cling and, and pieces of them linger for, we have ironweed out in our field and those stalks can get like, I think we've had some that were like 11 feet tall at one point and they're so beautiful in the summer, but that stalk stays there all the way till the next stalks come up. And sometimes the new stalks are growing right beside this old stalk. And I don't know, that stuff's fascinating to me. So I draw a lot of influence from that. Watching that makes a lot of sense actually, because of watching um, the botanical influences on your, on your work is really interesting. Like the way that leaves bane and like there's, there's a lot of line work, uh, in yeah. plants and some of the characters that you'll throw up on Instagram, what's well, like a little leaf wizard, you know, like you've got, you've yeah. got a lot of cool stuff that you've done playing with that. Um, I sure do. It <laughs> makes, it makes sense. And there's some of these, I think I've hit you up before and said, this needs to be a character or this is, I hope you're doing something oh, with yeah, this, but sure. But you've always been very busy doing things like watership down. Um, yeah. at, at, uh, watership down, you know, thinking back on it, it has such adult themes Right, I think if you put it that way, which is what you were referring to earlier, but the mood of the book feels when you reduce it down to a graphic novel, it feels like your art then has to carry so much more than the simple Everything. word. Like, like it has yeah. to be yeah. like what you're doing on the page is actually what makes it work. As yeah, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to put down your your no, co-author or the, anything, the, but but it does seem yeah, like the, the whole mood. Is- yeah, the weight of that is is uh, is heavy when, especially because you have a book where the prose and the narrative is actually beautifully written. So um, you're you know you're going to lose that, and so if you're going to lose it, you have to replace it with yep. uh, backward. What was he looking at? Describing? Okay, well, let me show you as the author was telling you about it. What was he seeing? Um, and and that was kind of my, my joy in, in making the art in the book was um, I, we don't get to say the things Richard saw. We have to show what he saw and, and he saw real things. So um, visiting these real places and setting footing yeah, them the, and the downs that you have right here, you know, yeah. that sort of moody, moody yep. sunset with, with the rabbits and the old, the, the Cotswolds feel, I don't, I don't know that that's so that's awesome. reading, reading the novel the first time for me that I was pretty young 
I don't I don't know how old I was, but I want to say maybe fourth or fifth grade, probably fifth grade. Just given knowing my life story is probably the end of fifth grade. Um, it was a. I remember the sensation of it. I remember the impression of it. I remember just the overwhelming Im- immersion of it, like the the fact that these rabbits are feeling intensely. Like there's, it's it's deeply primal. It's really it's not shallow and trite. And so we're doing something with bunny rabbits to make yeah. it shallow and trite. It was profound and deep and shockingly immersive, like really yeah. shockingly immersive. Uh, I was really surprised at the size of your book. Like I was like, wow. Like <clears throat> first just in publishing, I was surprised that they went for that. It's ambitious. That the that yeah. the publisher, not so much that you, but the that the publisher said, "Yeah, we're willing to do this big. We're willing. Yeah. We're willing to go big on this." Was that a conversation? Did what? Um, I feel like um, if I can remember it well, they they had sort of a page count that they wanted to shoot for from the start, and I okay. feel like it was like in the three fifty mark. Okay, so they um, they knew it would be not small. Yeah, and I feel like James also had already um, put together some factors of what he felt the page count was going to require. And James is, um, I mean, he's been making comics since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, he is just one of the like real OGs of, of the comic world, a uh, constant student, student of comics um, and cartooning. And he, uh, he's co-founder for the Center for Cartoon Studies in Vermont, which is a physical school where he teaches, uh, he's won multiple Eisner awards. Um, so uh, he he already had, and he like most of us, uh, a lot of us is just a massive Watership Down fan. So um, both of us went into this uh, being lovers of this thing and this story. And um, I was just lucky enough to have that person to be my guide through through doing this. Um, and the book actually got bigger uh, in very late stages because uh, we had to make some some revisions and add some things in. So um, there was at least one entire chapter that got added uh, sometime like about a year and a half ago, year ago. Like we we were like seventy five percent done with the book and added added like another chapter and multiple pages here and there. And um, wow. so yeah, is, I think is that, that more than that- anything. It, Sorry, was that to, why did you want to, why did you need to do that? Is that, is that because it was an editorial process or were you finding it was tough to get certain parts to, mm. to deliver what they needed to? I mean, it just, yeah, it, I, th- I think for a, to a large degree, it is that on something this vast, you're, you're getting it approved in batches. So in, yeah. you know, this book is in four parts. So we're like approving four parts and then we're working through it. And then the farther you get into it, the more you start to look at it and wonder, uh, okay, does this all flow the way that it, that we yeah. thought it did yeah. when we approved it in parts? And um, Richard's daughters started to, to notice that um, there was something being lost by us kind of skipping Hazel's first kind of reconnaissance type of mission into Nuthanger Farm without his team knowing that he was doing it to check on these hutch rabbits and learn about them. Um, we had we had skipped that, and you know, in the essence of like time and space in the book, 
we went straight to the whole group of them going into Nuthanger and doing their raid. Um, and uh, the, the daughters both felt that um, they, there were certain rabbits and even in the hutch, hutches that weren't given much agency by this happening. Um, it felt almost like an abduction rather than like a, hey, there's something better yeah. than what you guys have. Let's, I could take you and we can have something better for you. Um, instead, it just became like a, hey, we're here, we're cutting the door open, get out and let's go. And uh, it was it was <laughs> tough to make that decision. But once we did it, um, it turned out to be one of my favorite, like visual chapters, because we ended up with just this beautiful, you know, like, uh, the sun's not up yet. And there's just this undercover mission. Um, and there's the danger that there's the cat that's kind of watching what's happening. And, you know, the lookout guy is not the bravest guy. It's this little Pipkin. And so it, you know, it, it was, it was a fun and beautiful chapter. So I was glad that we did that. There were, there were some instances where we had to kind of take multiple characters and, uh, maybe there were different things being said and we had to kind of reappropriate those to a character that fit better into the moment. Um, so there were times where maybe Roz or Juliet might say, we really would rather that you leave this with Blackberry or that you leave this with Dandelion. And so, um, you know, it just required some trickery of going in and Photoshop and like read digitally drawing the faces different on some rabbits or things like that, or even patching in rabbits. Um, uh, that I drew on paper, scanned in and patched them in to kind of fix. So there was, you know, there was some shuffling of panels here and there, but um, I'm, I'm really happy with, with the end result. And yeah, it is, it is great that if, if the publisher is like, yeah, we want this to be the best book possible. So if we have to add entire signatures, then we'll do it. So. Yeah. Well, they did. This is a beefy one. Yeah. What's the, it's like, we're at like 380 somewhere in there. Right. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that is comics. Maybe like three sixty-five, three seventy is comics. Maybe. Which is still a lot. Yeah, maybe more. Maybe it's like three three seventy-five. I don't know what it is. I, I say this as somebody like to whom publishers have said, "Can you adapt this into two hundred and forty pages?" Like we we want to do a yeah. graphic novel, but we need it two forty. Two forty is that. Yeah. That that number. Um, yeah. When you recommend Watership Down to people who've never read it, like the original novel. What do you do? You see your book as a gateway to that, or do you? I know some people will meet it through you for sure, the way mm -hmm. you met it through a show. What do you say about Watership Down? What makes Watership Down mm -hmm. a great meal? What makes it good soul yeah. food? Yeah, and and honestly, because I get asked this a lot, especially re pertaining to my book, um, I I'm I not know if I'm the best salesman, but I do like to encourage people to read the novel first because um, I feel like there's just so much beautiful writing yeah. that we just you don't get in our version. And I feel like you will appreciate the story better because Richard takes so much time to explain the strangeness that you're not. Yeah. If you're just jumping into the graph, if, when I started looking at, uh, which I don't really do much at all, but when I looked at some early reviews, like on Goodreads, any any and all negative reviews started with, I've never read the original book. But, <laughs> so, and, and for that, I feel like I'm not even going to bother reading the rest of this review. So yeah, you're um, like, I've never read your review either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for me, like... <sighs> I think that I think that why Watership Down had its 50th anniversary last year, um, and I think that why it is 
lasted is that there's so much of, of everyone, there are so many pieces of everyone's life in this. I feel like uh, with, with such a large cast of characters, you everybody finds something about themselves in it. Um, uh, and the scenarios that they find themselves in and the difficult decisions that they have to make or um, some really severe uh, like internal team struggles that they have of, you know, people, characters really not believing that other characters are making the right decisions. And um, it, there's just a lot of, uh, it, I think it's just, like I said, it's just easy to find uh, things that you relate to in it. Um, and at the same time, for me, as, as a, a Christian, um, I can't help but see just really beautiful parallels to things that that I find true and things that I find beautiful. Um, and I know that uh, Richard was very clear in his life to say it, it's just a book about rabbits. Um, but uh, I've had that discussion with uh, his daughter, Juliet, who I have a really, really great relationship with, that um, while I do respect that he had that sentiment, um, I think that if anything, it just kind of gave him the ability to step back and allow people to say what they're going to say, and he doesn't have to endorse it, which I think is fine. And I think that uh, it's it's not a bad thing that so many different types of people from different backgrounds have found a specific meaning in Watership Down that is not what Richard meant. Um, I've been asked some very pointed and almost strange questions about um, does does the book still carry this specific theme that it carried back then? And I would say, well, if that's what you <laughs> went into it with, then it will, because we <laughs> followed the book, but it did not carry that theme intentionally. Um, it's really interesting. We've we've talked a lot about how um, animal characters allow you to introduce adult <laughs> themes to children in a way that is much allows them to handle themes like loss isolation. I mean, even pop population control in this book, yeah. bullying. <laughs> These are the kinds of things. That's a whole generation of people who are going to meet uh, Watership Down through this first. Like my kids are getting it for Christmas and they're going, yeah. they're going to meet all these rabbits and they're going to love them. And I think it's going to set them up for that, uh, the opening moodiness yeah. of Richard Adams prose. At least I hope so. We'll yeah. find out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so like we're officially going against your recommendation, your advice. Yeah. His kids are going to meet. <laughs> They're going to, you the, know, 11 down to down to two is going to meet it on, on a, your it art. Is, it is really interesting nice. to me that, that you have had so many people say that it traumatized them. And I've, you know, I've heard that before as well. I've heard that about Secret of Nim also, but I've heard that about my own books as well. Mm -hmm. Um Empire of Bones, especially. <laughs> do, you, do you know what's strange though is I feel like nobody is out there saying that about uh, the Hunger Games or Maze Runner, where children are murdering each other. Yeah, like nobody's saying it about those. It's weird. It's weird. I, I think a, a big part of it is that if if you make death matter, if you have real stakes and you have it's yep. it's really fraught and it's fraught with all all the true. Uh, stakes that come in those situations and yeah. typologically and everything else. If it has all the layers and it stacks up, then you get that response. But I also think there's a, I, I haven't had a ton of people say that of Watership Down and be negative about it. I've had mm. it, I've had people say, say it and mean that it marked them 
that it really like mm-hmm. they can still feel it. You know, it's it's there. They they call it traumatized. I actually I once was kicked out of a uh, a school on a book tour because a girl had had a nightmare the night before. Oh man! Like, so she had a nightmare about my some some fourth grader <laughs> had a nightmare about one hundred cupboards. I'm on a book tour. I arrive. The principal meets me as I'm in the auditorium and says, "We're canceling your your event." Because your book is too tra- is your book is too traumatic. Like we've told the kids, there's no assembly, and and I was I was standing there like what on earth, and then in overly staged, and very overly staged movie way, the girl, the actual offending girl with the nightmare, stepped into the hall as I was leaving out of her classroom, had the book, saw me, and sprinted at a dead run holding the book. And just came up with like just so effusive and like I love this so much. I have I just I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I like just <laughs> jump, jumping up and down. Wow! And the so principal sure, is there yeah. and like this is the one we're canceling the whole thing for. Like she's like, and so they they pivoted and said, well, you can talk to the kids, but we're not going to allow you to sell the book. And I was like, great, sure, okay, I, I'll I'll talk to the kids. I don't I'm not here to you don't sell a ton at a at a school anyway. And but that kind of like she said. To everybody, I had a nightmare and it traumatized me. But her reaction to it was profound affection, like a really deep, deep, deep affection. She felt it deeply. I've had yeah. a lot of that with Watership Down, with people who are negative about it. I've heard people who are just poo-poo. I don't want to spend that much time with rabbits. But yeah, but very few people have say said it's traumatic. Like I felt it really deeply and didn't also have affection for it. I think it's a I think it's a I, I profoundly wonder, healthy yeah. book. I'd love to to hear to have more of those conversations fleshed out and to hear if that's where people would land. Um, because I try to to encourage people that there there is nothing violent in the watership down that didn't cost something, that didn't mean something, um, that wasn't that wasn't like there's nothing, there's no end goal in watership down that wasn't worthy of of losing your life. Yeah. Um, mm, that's the, a good way of putting the it. The characters. Yeah. The, yeah. even, even as I was making the book, um, there were, there were moments where, you know, I'm with these characters for four, four and a half years. And when hard things happened, um, I felt like I was putting them through it. Like, yeah. you know, I felt mm. responsible all of a sudden that, that like it had to mean something like there, there were no moments where some character just, you know, went through something, um, for no for no reason at all. Right. I think what people say, you know, the one I remember vividly, read it in sixth grade, I think, was that first false hope of the farm where the farmer feeds the rabbits and keeps them safe from predators and then yeah. bigwig getting, you know, getting snared. And that yeah. that pivot from false hope to actual despair with Fiverr still being the agent that that's an that's a fantastic community picture that was yeah i, I do think it's formative because it's like that yeah. it's so accurate how that worked out where well and that you, that chapter yeah. has so many layers about society um it's it's so 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 deep you know that that you've got all the way the the surface where you know you go into this gigantic warren that doesn't have nearly enough rabbits for the size of it it's you know it's like a big skeleton like a rib cage yeah. they kind of just define it as and uh they have they have done everything they could to say we have it good 
everybody just stick with the plan and have it good with us. And so anything that goes outside of the, the realm of like, just, just, just exist, just fall in the line and we get really great food for all of this. You're not allowed to talk about anybody that has gone before you. We don't mention anybody else. Um, they had, they had history that, you know, you could go to, I don't know, remember it was sort of like a well, there's like the remnants of a well and they had the laburnum there. They had the shape where a rabbit had been drawing and creating, you know, culture. And they're like, it's just this thing. We don't really yeah. care mm -hmm. about it. And even they want to, you know, is there a storyteller? Can we tell a story? And, you know, they're like, oh yeah, Dandelion, tell the one about Ella Ray Ra and whatever. And they're kind of like, ah, eh, we don't really tell those <laughs> quaint little stories about, you know, the creator of the world and, you know, the prince we don't, rabbit. We're sophisticated we're kind of, now. We moved on. Yeah. It became yeah. very, whatever the, the rabbit word for humanist is, you know, they just become <laughs> very much like, you know, we'll have this weird character, Silverweed, tell you this really strange enigmatic tale that just creeps you all out. And, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's a fascinating to see, you know, how, how much society can be like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I, I have never hesitated to recommend Watership Down to anybody. <laughs> And when I've had people uh, resist, or usually parents resist, it's just like no, like let it happen. If you're if you're willing to have your kids read the Bible, which you absolutely should be, Watership Down is nothing. <laughs> it's like it's no, it's it's nothing to what those characters are going through and and the violence and and all the story. I think I think Watership Down is pretty fantastic. I mean, it really is a fantastic book. And one of the things. That I, I don't know if this is just arbitrary or just personal, but or coming from my own childhood. But when a book is really great, it has a kind of permanence to it. It feels permanent. I mean, I I read this pretty young, and the book actually hadn't been around that long. You know, it yeah, like it was not brand new. You know, I was reading it, but I was reading it fairly early in its life cycle. And when I read it, it felt ancient. It felt like this this story that had all always been there. This is this. Mm -hmm. really old story and it was not now it's starting to be older like we've moved to 50 yeah. years and and so on and when i hand it to one of my kids and my kids have read it it has the exact same impression on them it feels like this permanent thing like this the story that's always been there which is i i think a huge a, a book that can be a classic young where it feels old it feels classic when it's new it doesn't trend out like it wasn't trendy when he wrote it. It's yeah. not trendy now. Like it's just yeah. this a, a pretty profound thing. And the iteration you've done to it, I love the scope you've pursued. I love the patience you've had as you've done it. You said four and a half years pursuing this thing. Uh, I love that you've not been too reductive. You've you've actually kind of scaled up. Um, and if people don't want to look at thirty eight thousand rabbits. This isn't this isn't the book for them. But if they don't want to read yeah. about rabbits, the original is not for them either. This is a <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think looking back in hindsight, Hazel's such a great character. You know, I think so many authors trying to write will create that kid who wants to be in the Ausla. He wants to be part of the military, but he never. It takes him so long to get going. But with Hazel, he has to start leading that group from whatever that is. The, the first 40 yeah. pages, you know, he's out making decisions. He has to, you know, he, he tries, he gets, 
to to look at different leaders across multiple different rabbit warrens. You know, he has his his leader who's the sleepy don't do anything. There's the despotic one. There's multiple other leaders all the way through the thing, even from his own group. So I just love the energy and activity mm-hmm. that Hazel has as a main character. It's it's kind of impressive that they were able, that he was able to do that with a rabbit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's just yeah. this rabbit is a, is is a great protagonist. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he is. Have, have you uh, you said you've been really happy with the end result? I think you should be. It's it's extremely impressive. The fact that you did this kind of parallel to Little Pilgrim's Progress, which I wish I'd brought my copy of that too. Which is also we also massive. gave to Christmas last year, yeah. I think, or yeah. was it the year before. Yeah, it's a it's sort of. Oh, there you go. Uh, and Little Pilgrim's Progress. It's funny because this is a book, the the novel that I did laps through. I mean, I did I did laps through when I was when I was little, um, as did my sisters. And you produced a very fat, massive, vo- massive volume for that. And now you followed it up with pretty shortly on the heels of it another massive volume. Yeah. Uh, when are you going to do something cheap and trite? <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i mean do you is, have is another bagging tome? Is groceries there another, cheap and true <laughs> is there another big tome you know coming well like what's, i, I what's am next? i am actually making uh a christmas carol in right okay. now in the same visual world of uh little pilgrim's progress so wow. um it will be a shelf mate to that obviously it's not as big as a thick as little pilgrim but um that that has been that door has been left open by Moody for me to continue to explore uh, what that world of bookmaking can look like. It doesn't have they don't have to relate. The characters don't have to relate. Um, it's just uh, it's just a a world that comes really natural to me that I don't really have to think very hard on what comes out. Um, so it, it's an easy world for me to to work within. Um, and, uh, Kevin Chandler, my, my buddy, Kevin and I have a, a little pilgrim early reader spinoff that we're okay. making as well right now. So nice. can I ask what animal character Scrooge is? Well, I, I stuck with McDuck. kind of the old hair. Obviously McDuck. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Scrooge it, McDuck. It <laughs> you went with a, you went with an old hair, you went with a rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, again, like sometimes when you're working anthropomorphically with animals, uh you need to do what is easily digestible uh i don't want to throw somebody for a loop you know if i if it was like it's a platypus on the cover and then (laughs) it's like wait what is this you know like i i don't want someone as much as my mind is like i need to do something different um it's like you can't reinvent the wheel like i i drew him as a hair and i thought it it just actually can't be any more right than that for me Mm. so uh Bob Cratchit is a, a, a chipmunk and, and that worked really well visually. Um, and he's, that's about exo- as exotic of an animal as I probably get. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I think it, to me, I just kind of stick with, if this was a North American tale, fable, you know, folk tale, what would it be? So yeah. um, I just kind of stick with what animals can I right. readily bump into in my backyard for the most part. Is the, uh, is one of the ghosts a coyote? No, um, <laughs> I have I have one as a rabbit um, because Christmas passed 
needed to represent the youth and the beautiful yeah, yeah. life that Scrooge lived um, as a kid. And uh, I went with a lion for Christmas present because in in Little Pilgrim, the lion is the prince. And so, you know, I, I wanted that that present Christmas to represent, you know, th that prince um, and, uh, you know, that coming king. And then uh, future, uh, I, I did toy with some ideas like coyotes and things, but I realized how incorrect that was because it, it just didn't, it evoked fear and uh, terror. And when I thought on what a, an angel of death or a grim reaper would be, they, they don't ever, they're never the cause of why they're there. They never come to you and end your life. They come to you to show you this is your outcome. I'm just guiding you to it now. Let we have to go. And and in the same way, when you drive past some turkey buzzards on the side of the road with some roadkill, they never killed that thing. They are only there at yeah. the end of that thing's life. And so I did end up going with a very stoic uh, turkey vulture with a cloak oh. over it. That's good. With, uh, <laughs> I like its That's eyes good. are not visible, just the beak and oh, uh, fun. busted old ornaments are kind of hanging off of its uh, cloak. And um, I had to do some rewriting in the text so that there weren't a hand, you know, there's always the mention of a hand. So I had to kind of, you know, finger like uh, yeah. feathers and things like that. I had to kind of get a little more descriptive, but, you know, it takes a while to figure it all out, but it, yeah. it, I get really deep into things have to make sense to me <laughs> so right <laughs> i mean obviously if they don't make sense to you there's no chance for the reader yeah like it, ha yeah. it has to resonate with you oh, I, yeah. I, I had a question about do you are you do you normally do molds so i saw you'd you'd whittled a bunch of their different characters which was very cool mm. uh, i liked seeing the pictures of all the different rabbits uh that you'd whittled yeah do you did you do you often do molds or maquettes <sighs> no i don't um, because, uh, I don't really enjoy sculpting. So I muscle through those things if I need them. Um, and the, the rabbits that I did for Watership Down were sort of a necessity because, um, I didn't have the luxury of being around rabbits, uh, like closely all the time. And even if I did, I couldn't just like 360 rotate them all yeah. the time. So there were so many angles I had to be able to get that I needed to be able to set something in front of me and figure that out the foreshortening of something's right. hind quarters and its head out that way and what you can see of the cheek or the eye or you can't and um once i did that a few bajillion times i didn't need those anymore but <laughs> <laughs> just after a bajillion yeah yeah um, <laughs> well what one of my goals for having you on is i just wanted to make sure that everybody who listens to this podcast was familiar with you that you got on their radar as a creator as uh, somebody I really I really enjoy following you on Insta and watching your work. And then as you put out these massive landmark, I mean, like really landmark books, like big, big ones, uh, Little Pilgrim's Progress and Watership Down. If anybody doesn't have those, Christmas is coming. Yep. So <laughs> if you don't have those in your, in your household, do it. Uh, yeah, they're mean, great I for reluctant readers. And I love the fact that it's not a cheap and patronizing thing. Like comics, and which I adore, and Tintin was my first gateway ever in uh, to how cool that that medium could be. Uh, that and Calvin and Hobbes, <laughs> but uh, but they don't have to be patronizing. 
Like you don't have to hand somebody a graphic novel and have it be a patronizing, easy, quick, cheap snack as opposed to the real meal. Uh, these are the yeah. both books you just you just released: Little Pilgrim's Progress, Back Aways, and then this one. It's a task. It's a hefty undertaking to sit down and and read. And I love that. I love that it's a challenge. I love that it's it sets a road in front of a kid. It sets a road in front of a reader and says like it's the works on you. Like you're gonna really you're gonna read it. You're gonna go through and you're gonna experience the whole thing. And it's not a pat on the head. So anybody yeah. who's not familiar with you, Joe Sutphin should check you out online. Get Watership Down for sure. If you haven't read the original, read the original too. Um, get this one and Little Pilgrim's Progress. Because Joe does, uh, Joe's renowned for that. Your pen and ink, especially, yeah. is where I first, yeah. where I first, I just saw, wow, this is a flavor. And you get everything <laughs> you want out of a full painting, but pen and ink. And just, I, I mean, I've seen your spot illustrations in a number. Uh, the pigeon book you did. Uh, um, also, of course, your spots in Wing <clears throat> Feather, you know, yeah. your, your art there. Um, and then, of course, these ones. And, and seeing, Getting to see you play with color so much was fun because I'd mostly just seen your pen and ink. Uh, I would like to mention um, uh, that that cover there was painted by me, um, and maybe I don't know less than a quarter of the pages in the book were painted entirely by me. Mm -hmm. the 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 rest of the interior of that book, um, we hired my buddy Joe Hawks, um, okay. who I saw a lot of myself in, and. Uh, I was able to just on the fly train him to be me. Um, so if you look through that book, you'll never be able to tell which pages he had a hand in and yeah. which I did. And uh, we just kind of worked in tandem on, uh, I was feeding him all the information on what to color, what and time of day, position of sun, whatever. But he he was, man, just a total pro to work with that's, as a that's colorist. That's great. It is, it's also funny, <laughs> we should, that's a great reminder of uh, four and a half years, you were on this for four and a half years. Uh, Adams was not on this for four and a half years when he was when he was writing. Like it's the un the yeah. undertaking of a graphic novel is it's it's like a little iteration between a novel and a TV show. It takes a team, and so a lot of people do assume, oh, you did it all. It's like no, there's another name on here. There's colorists. There's yeah. there's people working for the publisher who are working on a layout. There's a there's a ton of people that have to have to work on yeah. these things. It is it is a team venture. Um Forrest who uh I think you know Forrest Dickinson or have met him yeah, or at least I, we know each other just a bit. Yeah. yeah. Who who did blah blah for us. Like he worked as a colorist in the Amulet series. You know, it's like there's there's a lot of people who cut their teeth coming up through those ranks mm -hmm. doing doing that kind of work. Yeah. Um so yeah this is as Herculean as this is and as you as you did the heavy lift there's 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 helper elves. There's people that also, uh, you know, make a living doing other other pieces as they try to break in. But it's also part of why graphic novels are so expensive to do. It's yeah. so expensive to do because it hits the public, you know, hits the market, and people expect it to have the same kind of cover price. But it's a yeah. a, a pretty significant team. Uh, have sales been good on Watership and and the you know in the actual launch? Are yeah. the, is the publisher happy? So so far as I know. Um, uh, but it, a lot of that was due to uh, our publicist, uh, Maya Bradford. She, she was uh, amazing. She, she got us so many opportunities. Um, uh, and then, you know, we had the opportunity to do the full page comic 
um, in the New York Times. So yeah. instead of an advertisement, we were able to make a comic. Um, and then we did. That was a brilliant was, idea, uh, by the way. That was brilliant. That was all James, actually. He 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 made that happen, which was a wonderful. Uh, you know, we had the NPR. The NPR interview was was huge. I, I saw Amazon rankings really spike at that point. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like the book kind of peaked at like the like 140 something which is great. Um, oh, that's awesome. And I, and yeah. I think, it, it, you know, it's a bit, it, obviously at 50 years, it's an evergreen story. So hopefully it, it just continues to. Yeah. It'll live and live. People. I think, well, I think it measures up. I think it does, it does measure up to <laughs> what it's trying to do, which is amplify and expand on and push the original yeah, like, into yeah, this new iteration. We talk a lot on the podcast about adapting, you know, and the, yeah. the, uh, the responsibility yeah. you have when you adapt a great piece of IP. So it's it's interesting to me. I, I haven't had time to read the whole thing yet, but I am curious. You know, it seems like you and James had that top of mind. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when we've picked on Lord of the Rings adaptations, that's that's something yeah. I, I, I'd love to hear if you have any more thoughts on how um, that we, adaptation we process some, went. We had to do some hard things. Um, uh, there were little things that that are not little to like the you know raving fans um we took there were moments with like rabbits uh like speedwell and acorn who are kind of mentioned as rank and file um we had to be able to try and narrow things down because it's a lot to track so they just became uh acorn and so there are you know there are people who have already complained speedwell is not in this book <laughs> um, his lines are still in the book. Uh, uh, um, Silverweed didn't make the cut. Uh, you know, it's disappointing, but we didn't have the space telling a story. A, and a rabbit telling a story within a story, that takes space. So uh, because you can, you can break down and kind of do stuff to condense the story, the story that is a story. But when you have a story within a story, you really kind of need to tell it. And uh, he he ended up getting nixed. Um, so, you know, some of those things yeah. were sad. Um, and, you know, there, there are plenty of other like little things that we had to kind of uh, kind of mash some things together. But in some instances, uh, the final chapter, like the final, like, I don't know, 15 pages of this book, James just wrote the most beautiful piece um, out of what was like four chapters that Richard wrote. And, and we didn't have the space to do all of that. Um, and, and he was able to take the entire like, uh, like conclusion of Watership Down, which really was a stretch of chapters and make this really beautiful little cinematic piece where, where you're, where you have Dandelion telling the children a story about what happened back then, and then and and then also telling about how how Hazel's journey resolved, and then that gets passed off to the present time where you're with Hazel, and um, it it was just uh, it's just such a beautiful little handoff that that feels like great storytelling, and it's not exactly how Richard told it, but it captures everything that was good about. And that's the thing. If if you go into an adaptation, um, I hope that you loved the original work, <laughs> um, because if if you did, then then again those losses will hurt. 
And at least I can tell people, if you're upset that this didn't make it into the book, so am I, you know? I'm not <laughs> laughing in your face about it, you know? Yeah. And so it would have been great for this to be was... 750 pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another five years yeah, it, of your life. <laughs> yeah, why not? We can just keep uh, keep spreading those three deliverable dates out and, and I'll just live just on farther and farther and farther. Those what live on uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing, or not last thing, but another thing. Uh, we regularly, Nate likes to say that sci-fi is fantasy and it seems, it seldom seems clearer than when you're watching Richard Adams move seamlessly from sci-fi into this excellent, real sort of, sort of animal fantasy. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, someone who's known for writing books about 50 foot bears or whatever from, from yeah. in space and then moving over into such a it's got multiple levels of myth and storytelling, a created religion, you know, uh, yeah, created it's, casts. It's, it's, if we ever yeah. needed more proof that sci-fi is fantasy, <laughs> I think this is it. So yeah. at least, at least it takes the same skill set for, <laughs> for sure. Right. Um, the thing I like the most about your, your art, your artistic style is, uh, one, one of the things I talk to writers about a lot in trying to coach young writers is to write to the senses right? Reactivate all five senses. And it's easier in prose than in the visual arts because visually you only are accessing the eyeballs. But the, I, I would say that like the anti-abstract way in which you, which you draw and which you illustrate is very earthy. You have a very earthy tone mm -hmm. when you're doing pen and ink. It's the, your, st your style is the kind that comes with the smell of moss. You know, it's like, it's sort of, <laughs> You you can kind of you can smell the place you can you can feel the temperature like there's a there's a tactile nature to it all, um, yeah. and so I, I really love your artistic voice, even when you're just you know messing with one little character it's not even part of a story and I think it's it it really suits a book like this as you know something yeah. that's going to get down in the mud and the hills and the warren and um, yeah. and you don't have the ability to describe the smell of the earth you can't yeah get into that you have to you have to evoke that you know it's like the, yeah. and I, I do think your your artistic voice is really evocative of yeah. all of all the senses i appreciate that but it's one it's one of the reasons why i love yeah. especially just even your stripped down minimalist inks when you're doing those yeah uh it all is evocative of, of, yeah. all, of a whole you know, experience one of the funny things that uh my wife gina um she she always gets a good kick out of uh I just have this, it's kind of second nature that I'm always throwing gnats into all of my drawings. There's just gnats everywhere. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because uh, like, you know, if you were a giant, you, you would never like if a giant, if a giant was drawing pictures of people down on the ground and you're like, why do you keep drawing flies in their house? You know, and you're like, well, the people, have, they're always chasing flies out of their house. But I was standing on top of Watership Down and the wind was just massive. Like it's just blasting us. And, and we're just looking out and I'm like filming and trying to get just every angle possible. And it, and it just looks like there's just no life out here. Like, it's just like blasting you wind and just grass. And uh, my buddy Aldo, um, our guide, he took he took me like over a, a, a barbed wire fence and we walked down the face uh, of the down. And I decided, you know what? I, I'm going to get video of what it would have been like for Dandelion running up this for the first time 
and how Richard describes every time he thought he got to the top, there was another rise. And, and so I decided to put my camera down there and go up and kind of running up with the camera, like, you know, 10 inches off the ground. When I got home and watched it, the entire video of all the grass tops and weeds blowing, there's just gnats and flies and bees everywhere, just everywhere. <laughs> and you see none of that from our eyes. It's just yeah. wind blasting you and grass. But so it's like down in their world, you know, give me a the lot of bugs. Water. Just a lot, yeah, yeah. Just, a, just a lot of bugs. I like I like that a lot. That's that's fantastic. Same thing you've made. I, I remember. I, I don't know what a cowslip looks like, but now I do. Thanks thanks to you. You know, when you're reading about the rabbits eating, uh, what is it? Oh. Silfle? Is that? I'm trying to remember the, the yeah, rabbit silfle, word. Yeah, yeah. When during the day eating, yeah. Right, and and those those aspects of wanting to eat like a rabbit is a bit of a weird experience and it's something you know the leaves look juicy in this in this edition and that that, felt yeah, that very was true. something that yeah uh Roz and Juliet Richard's daughters were very emphatic about that that their dad loved those details and so we were really tasked with um I have to at least find ways to show these things in their real state as much as I can um, obviously I had to get the book done, so I couldn't always make sure every plant was right. But, you know, the funny thing is yeah, I live here in the States and in my early sketches, um, Aldo, who is also a painter and a, a botanist, like he would look at my paintings and he would be like, what is this, what is this thing here with three leaves that we don't have that in the UK? Like he would point out stuff so fast and I would be like, oh, I got to get this stuff right. Like I'm just drawing the stuff in my backyard and I had to like rethink what plants look like and what they should be not the plants that i'm used to every day here at home that's mm. yeah that ma that makes sense i actually just had to open and look and see yeah you have gnats everywhere i didn't even notice that <laughs> i was i was looking for frames where there weren't little gnats i love it i love the the detailing the fact that I, that had just gone whistled past me is a little embarrassing i have mm. to say um joe thank you so much we really yeah. appreciate having you on i hope everybody will follow you buy your stuff make sure these books are in your home library for your kids. Uh, I think they're, they're fantastic. Uh, one question. It's okay. If you say no, cause we'll just delete this part of the, of the episode. If we were thinking about launching kind of like a stories or soul food book plate, like if we sent you book plates to sign and we sold copies over here, it was like, would you be down for that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I'll awesome. Okay. Then we will, uh, We'll be selling how many? This could be a limited edition. We'll I, do like two hundred. I mean, we're we're close right there. So we're close to Christmas, so yeah. We'll yeah, get we'll say we're going to sell two hundred, and we're going to include a Stories or Soul Food signed book plate from Joe Sutphin in here. Yeah, uh, in this we'll fantastic book, and I I'm really excited to see what you do next. I mean, it's known you for quite a while, courtesy of Andrew Peterson and the whole Hutchmoot world. Uh, yeah love kind of the old the old vibe of what you do and it seems like you're just like throttling down and really uh <laughs> really really launching right now uh with christmas carol when, when is christmas carol going to release do you expect probably this time next year one year out um uh, and yeah. are you uh it's a good time to release christmas carol this time of year uh yeah what else do you have in the pipeline well i have the the uh early reader that i mentioned yeah, that Kevin Chandler and i are doing yeah. That's, that's called the, the King's Cadets and Little Joe. Um, that's about Christiana's little brothers who stay behind in the land of delight when she 
goes over to the celestial city and okay um just kind of their adventures and misadventures of trying to be uh great knights like great heart um and then uh i'm going to be working on the misadventures of tumbleweed thompson sequel okay um with my buddy uh glenn mccarty and i yeah. we, we failed the kickstarter and uh <laughs> all our good friends uh, uh at story warren uh they uh sam and andrew oh, and josiah nice. picked it up and so we'll we'll be doing that um and they'll they'll i think they'll do a rebranded release of the first book again which will be great um and then uh i i'm going to be working on putting together board book editions of uh little pilgrim's progress um wow. utilizing the original art uh hopefully if possible and digitally watercoloring these um because i don't i think you would agree that children don't see things in geometric shapes so i don't think that they need geometric shapes in board books so um, <laughs> i think that it will give the younger readers in the read aloud families uh, a way to enjoy the book that maybe they're not getting to sit in and listen to with the older kids in the house and uh with the art being uh, colorized it'll give the older kids in the house a reason to want to see what the younger kids getting to be involved in and so uh that's that's something that's just been in the early stages um and then uh yeah there's a lot of other you know there's always stuff we don't you know you never know what's going to happen with any of it so fantastic nice when, when do you get to take a breath after all this promotion on watership Ish, yeah gina too they, we're both yeah um, holding her breath you're gonna be getting so, away yeah we'll you, see you and the wife gonna get away a little bit i hope Man, hopefully it'd be nice we'll, we'll see we somehow. highly recommend it feel free to stop by if you need yeah, somewhere come to, to idaho we might, need somewhere to hide we'll do a do a gofundme so we can get out of dodge <laughs> yeah per perfect well thank you so much joe it's awesome yeah, to thanks, talk joe. to you yeah thank oh, you guys fantastic job it's really i love having things that i people ask all the time as i'm sure they ask you as well for recommendations and i'm always thrilled when i have such a great one i can just uh i can just promote joe sutton yeah. people uh get Thanks. on the get on the train now thank you so much Absolutely. have a fantastic day we'll get you those book plates and we'll get these books sold awesome love it if you are a longtime listener to the stories of soul food podcast then you know that i am the proud dad of five boys and only five boys which means we talk a lot, my wife and I, about how to raise sons. That's what made me so excited when I heard that Canon Plus was releasing the Future Men Raising Boys to Fight Giants documentary parenting series. Five episodes of parenting goodness from a bunch of different voices, teaching your sons how to be the heroes that our culture need. In fact, they're probably going to be more like King David than you would be comfortable with. Join CanonPlus.com, check out Future Men, all episodes. Episode one, The Road to Masculinity. Two, A Call for Fathers. Three, The Boy Against Himself. Four, Boys in Sports. Five, Boys and Stories. That right there, Future Men documentary series. I wanted to share it with you in case, like me, you have a number of boys in your life who are at some point going to become future men. If you are a longtime listener to the Stories of Soul Food podcast, then you know that I am the proud dad of five boys, and only five boys. Which means we talk a lot, my wife and I, about how to raise sons. That's what made me so excited when I heard that Canon Plus was releasing the Future Men 
Raising Boys to Fight Giants documentary parenting series. Five episodes of parenting goodness from a bunch of different voices, teaching your sons how to be the heroes that our culture need. In fact, they're probably going to be more like King David than you would be comfortable with. Join canonplus.com, check out Future Men, all episodes. Episode one, The Road to Masculinity. Two, A Call for Fathers. Three, The Boy Against Himself. Four, Boys in Sports. Five, Boys and Stories. That right there, Future Men documentary series. I wanted to share it with you in case, like me, you have a number of boys in your life who are at some point going to become future men.